Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocks podcast. I am so glad that you are joining me today for part two of my conversation with Miki Addison. This was again from the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. And if you missed that expo, you still can have full access to it. Just go to homegrowngeneration.com, sign up. It's only $20 now and you have access to the entire conference, the swag bag, as well as the 2020 conference um, where we had so many great speakers as well. So we hope you'll join us for that. But this is the second part of my conversation with Miki. And we were talking in this um, session about culture proofing our families. And it is such a great discussion. I know that you guys will be encouraged. But before we get back into our conversation with Miki, I wanna say thank you to our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool. If you guys want help managing your homeschool on a day-to-day basis, BJU Press has a new homeschool hub that can dramatically simplify things for you. You'll be able to see your child's workload, document grades, modify schedules, and more. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub is the resource you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the hub can change your homeschooling. Now enjoy part two of this session with Miki Addison. I want to go back really quickly to you. You obviously mentioned that you homeschool your kids. Talk about your decision to homeschool and why you decided uh, to do that years ago. Yeah, homeschooling was not in our blood. Like it was not something that we that we Mine grew up. either. You know what I mean, right? Like we weren't exposed to that. We didn't we didn't really know what that was. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would unfortunately I'd have to say that my husband and I very much had this position that I hear coming from a lot of parents. Our kids are going to be missionaries. We in fact were missionaries. So mm-hmm. we thought, well, we are raising missionary children. And so we thought they will they will stand. You know, what we very quickly realized in our two older girls uh, were in public and private school. So we've done both of those. And we have found hands down that discipling them at home has been the best course of action. It has been the best, like for the results that we want, that we want to um, disciple, indoctrinate, train and equip and ready our kids to be shout out, uh, shout out into the world. Uh, teaching them at home has been the best course of action. The reason we arrived at that is because we recognize that even though we live in a small town, we live in a small community. um, And as most people will say, so many of our teachers are Christian. This was true. So many Mm -hmm. of them were Sunday school teachers. We quickly recognized that the teachers don't actually have control over the curriculum. We -hmm. quickly recognized that when we would talk to our teachers, our teachers kind of almost like in Nicodemus fashion would say, I hate this. Like there are things that we have to teach that we just do not like teaching. And then of course there is the peer influence piece that we cannot ignore. Right. Um, You know, to have our daughters come home and all of a sudden to believe that they were older than they were. I mean, we had one, our oldest daughter coming home all of a sudden, you know, these were baby shows. Like, I don't want to, this is a baby show. And then talking about her peers. Now this is first grade. Yeah. She only went to second grade, right? So in, in public education, not in life, but in second because that would be you a stopped failure, at second guys. grade. That would be a failure. We we covered everything second grade. We're moving on. Um, but to have her say, you know, she's got friends who who have boyfriends and all of this, and we're having conversations about this, and I'm I'm just I'm watching her be slowly but consistently robbed of her innocence. Uh our younger daughter who did kindergarten and first grade outside of our home, just in that short time span, you know, being faced with questions about, do I lie Mm -hmm. about what I know to be true? And I'll give you an example. And guys, these things are kind of like 
innocent, if you will. Right. I, I don't know if I use that word, but we think of these things sure. as like insignificant. They are significant. Um, our second born, Gabby, came home one day and she talked about how she was corrected in the cafeteria because she was talking to one of her classmates about the fact that the legend Santa Claus is not real. That there is really, because we taught our kids, there's really St. Nicholas from whom Santa Claus, the legend is derived, but Santa Claus, this idea, so we never wanted to lie to our kids, one, because it's sinful, two, because we're also going to teach them some things from scripture mm -hmm. that if we confuse them on the front end, how can they trust us, right? Like when we tell them that a donkey speaks with a woman's voice in the Bible, how will they believe that that is a fact when we tell them that a man dressed in a red suit makes his way all the way around the world in one night delivering presents down chimneys that even if you live in the hood and you don't have a chimney, right. <laughs> he somehow makes it into your home. So we, we just decided very early on we weren't doing that because of integrity. Mm -hmm. So here's here's our you know six-year-old and she's telling her friends Santa is not real. And the little girl starts to get upset because her parents have told her as a fact, mm -hmm. okay, that Santa is real. So here is my daughter's Christian teacher telling her, listen, you just need to let her believe. You need mm -hmm. to let her believe. And so our daughter came home, Gabby, and she goes, mom, but it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. So now this is what I told her. I go, no, we combat lies. I'm sorry, honey. Like, you know, we, but, but I'm putting my six-year-old in a position right. where she's got to pretend not to know the truth. Right. So what I'm doing is I'm creating a pattern of contradiction. Yeah. I'm creating a duality in her life. And indeed, this is what we see happening in Christian kids yeah. in churches all across this country. They are leading almost a double life. They go out right. into a school environment that begins with the rejection of God if there is even an acknowledgement that he exists. Okay, if we acknowledge that he exists, then what we say is that he has no place here. Right. So what you're training your kids to do is for five days a week, say that God does not exist. And if he right. does, he's, he's irrelevant. Okay. He's not useful to whatever I'm learning here. But then on the weekend, we're supposed to kick it back into gear that he's worthy of it all. We're right. supposed to sing his praises. And so think about what kind of conflict or cognitive dissonance that causes in an adult. Yep. But you've got our kids who for generations have endured this. They've yeah. been, they've seen Jesus. They've seen the truth of scripture almost like drug paraphernalia right. that has to be confiscated when they enter school. And then you can have it back on Friday at 315. Mm. Wow. Do you understand this? Yeah. And so we tell our kids that God does not matter. And this is happening in so many different contexts. Look, even in, you know, private Christian education, mm -hmm. it's not Christian education just because it's being taught by Christians. Right. Dinner, like it's, it's, it's yeah. not. And so I think sometimes we think that if we have our kids in a Christian environment that they by osmosis will just imbibe that Christianity, but we've got to show that God has an opinion on everything that we're learning. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, that he is worthy, Amen. that we should learn everything that he wants us to know through the lens that he is, that he absolutely is. Amen. Amen. I think as you're talking about that, you know, I'm thinking of the movie God's Not Dead with Kevin Sorbo, who, by the way, his wife, Sam Sorbo, is going to be joining us tomorrow. Um, awesome. But, you know, that movie is is powerful in that aspect because it's this student who's being told to just write down on the paper, God is dead. And he's saying, I can't do it. 
And there's all these other, you know, so-called quote unquote Christian students who are like, just, you know, just write it down. It's no big deal. And like you're saying, that is exactly what we're asking our children to do. Just pretend like truth isn't truth when you're in Uh school for 40 hours a week. And then for the few hours you're home, we'll really talk about truth. And kids can't do that. Their brains don't function that way. They're learning their sponges. They're learning truth or so-called truth when they're in these early formative years. And it's such an important time. And I think that so often as, as parents, you know, we think you, you talked about living in a small town with, you know, good schools. Oftentimes parents think, well, we live in a small town with good schools. Well, let me tell you something. We live in Oklahoma, which is about one of the most conservative states in the nation, right? Very Christian-y. I mean, you go into many stores (laughs) where we live, there's praise music playing and you know, restaurants and in the stores. And I mean, it's, it's truly a lovely place to live and it's very Christiany here. And even here, I want to read this, this headline, and this is from the Oklahoma city school board. Um, and it says this, this is a headline, Oklahoma city school board adds sexual orientation and gender identity. It says fantastic news out of Oklahoma, again, Christian state put in, you know, parentheses there. Fantastic news out of Oklahoma. The Oklahoma City School Board voted two to, uh, five to two yesterday to add sexual orientation and gender identity to the list of categories protected in the Oklahoma City Public Schools anti-bullying policy. And this is by GLSEN, which I know, Miki, you're very familiar with GLSEN. Um, GLSEN is the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, and they are fiercely doing everything they can to get their hands in the public school system and to indoctrinate, going back to that, indoctrinate our kids with their worldview. It's so important that our kids have a good, strong foundation of God's word. Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC Math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. Thank you so much for all that you are doing and providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. Luke 640 says this. It says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Mm. Speak on that for a minute, because I mean, yeah. that that's straight out of the word of God. Everyone, when he's yeah. fully trained, will be like his teacher. So talk to the parent who's like, okay, but I don't have it all together. I don't know how to teach my kids. I don't know the word of God well enough. I don't have what it takes to teach my kids truth because I'm still figuring it out myself. Talk to that parent for a minute. Yeah, I think one of the things that we misunderstand, um, even about the application of that verse, is that we would limit that to the things that we say as training. And I think that what that Bible verse has in full view 
is that the way we live life with our children, the way life is lived with anybody for a prolonged season of time has an impact on that person's mm-hmm. life. And, and to make my case for that, I would go back to Deuteronomy 6. It is the as you go command of God to obey God, to submit to God, to follow God, to uphold all of his statutes. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter six, you get around the 21st or the 25th verse. And the Lord anticipates that the child observing his or her parents will be provoked by that observation and will ask the question, why? And then it's expressly stated that as you are doing all the things that I commanded you to do, so think of this as training, you are living this life, you're doing these things, your kids are with you and they are doing these things as well. Then they're going to, for wait, why are we doing this? Like There's gonna be this moment for a second or longer where they're gonna say, okay, why don't we participate in the things that the world participates in? In Old mm-hmm. Testament context, it's why are we keeping the statutes? Why, why are we doing all these things to the Lord our God, right? And what did God say? God said, through these acts, through following me in righteousness, you are to introduce me to your children. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the ways our children are being trained, it's so much more than just giving them the reading and the writing and the arithmetic at home. It is living a life before them. It is living a life with them, whereby the question is then provoked. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, why don't we go here? Why don't we watch this? In my daughter's case, why can't I have a phone? Why can't I have social media? And then I have an opportunity because in the Old Testament context, God tells uh, through the prophet, through Moses, that you are to say you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought you out. That's what they're to say. And the day that comes when your, your sons ask, why are you doing these things? You're to tell them that you were slaves in Egypt. So in a New Testament context, as I look at my life, when my daughters or my sons ask me questions about why we're doing things that are so different, we're living so counterculturally. Why are we doing things in America that most people are not doing? Or why are we not doing things in America that most people are doing? Then we have an opportunity to say, you know what? Because I was a slave to sin. Mm. And because I deserve the wrath of God, indeed the wrath of God was on me, but because of Jesus Christ and his sufficient sacrifice, I have turned from those ways. I have said no to ungodliness and I've said yes to holiness and yes to righteousness. This is the on-ramp for the gospel. Mm -hmm. I think what we often miss in our educating our kids at home is that what we are building, what we are building with our life is a smooth on-ramp for the gospel. Our kids are going to ask us why. Our kids are going to ask us how come. And what we're supposed to do is take them back to scripture. Now, listen, Mm -hmm. this can only happen if we are living counterculturally. Yeah. The Bible says that we're supposed to be peculiar. So this is what I say, you've got to embrace the peculiarity principle, right? That you're not going to be like those around you. And there's a reason for that. Because in the day when our kids, those are the ones who are closest to us, when they look at that peculiarity and they see that we're so different, like, no, we don't go here, we don't do that, and we don't celebrate this, and we're not going to affirm that, we're not gonna ally with this, then we have an opportunity to make much of Jesus Christ. And this opportunity is being missed by Mm -hmm. so many, because we don't understand what it is to be fully trained. Amen. Yes. You know, I've gotten to know your kids a little bit. And what I love about that is some can look at that from 
a homeschool perspective and they can think, you know, these homeschoolers are so legalistic, right? They have all these rules for their kids and they shelter them and they're so legalistic. And I don't see that in you or your family. What I see for your family is you just saying, this is truth, kids. So how do you kind of debunk that to the parent who's thinking, yeah, I don't really want my kids to be peculiar. I don't want them to be the weird ones. And especially for the kid who is saying, mom, I don't want to be peculiar. I don't want to be the weird one. I don't want to be the odd one at co-op or at church or anywhere else. How do we help our kids to navigate through this? That is a great question. Oh, Yvette, that is a great question. And let me just say this. Indeed, we have had these conversations with our kids. Our kids have said to us, listen, we understand that we're different in the world, but do we have to be different in the church? Like, do we have to be different, like even among other Christians, you know? And so here's what we always endeavor to do with our children. We take them back to God's word. We say, listen, these are not our standards. What we're putting in place here we have derived from scripture. So it's not, so it's not self-righteousness, right? Like I'm not, so I'll give you an example with our kids in the way that they are allowed to dress. So we have requirements and, and, and we have standards. And if their outfits don't meet those requirements or those standards, then they can't wear it. Now, those are the training wheels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are the training wheels. What I want is for them by way of reading the scriptures to adopt that as their own conviction. So then at the point that we are now, here we are, when we started out, we had to have the training wheels on, okay? So we've got to go to Paul's letter to Timothy and find out, okay, how do women who profess godliness dress? So the training wheels, okay? So here's what you're allowed, here's what you're not. Does it fall into these three categories? Then here's, this is what you can wear. Mm -hmm. My preference is not Bible. Do you understand? And this is what I tell my kids. So I wouldn't wear that, I don't like that, but it does not violate scripture. So you can wear it. Like Mm -hmm. it falls into the criteria clearly laid out in scripture. So you can wear that. But here's the thing. We've got to teach our kids that our convictions are derived from scripture. Mm -hmm. So this is what we tell our children when they say, why do we have to be so different? It would be easier. We've had these conversations because we're living life together. Mm -hmm. It would be easier to just kind of go along and fit in than to stand out all the time. My question to them is this, do you think that Jesus is worthy that you Mm. should be peculiar? Do you think that he is worthy that you should live in a way that is countercultural? Do you think that? And when we have those conversations and we talk about what Jesus did and what he will do, right? Mm -hmm. What has already been done and what is not yet complete. Okay. We are still waiting to be, um, reconciled to him for eternity. We know that it's done, but we are still here waiting. What do you say for the realization of that? I hope that theologically that makes sense. What I'm saying already, but not yet. We understand that we tell our kids, you don't know yet fully what awaits you. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do you find based on what you know of Christ, do you find that he is worthy that you should sacrifice, that you are, that he is worthy that you should say no to things in this culture? And I've got to tell you, when we have these conversations, very patiently, mm-hmm. we have these conversations, our big three, because they're able to process these things, they're 16, 14, and 13, and they come back and they're like, he, he's worth it. Yeah. He's, he's worth it. Like he's, you know, to understand what awaits us as much as we can. 
Mm-hmm. And we've had conversations about that. They don't really comprehend what, and I don't really comprehend fully what awaits me, right? right. Just based on what I have read and what my hope is in, I know that it's going to be grand. And, and how do I know that? Because the one who purchased me is grand. Yeah. And so my aim is to be with him for eternity. And this is what we try to train our kids. Uh, this is a side note. A lot of people want heaven. They don't want God. They, mm. they just want wow. like paradise. You know what I mean? Right. They don't want the God of heaven. A lot right. of people don't. And so when you boil it all down, we teach our kids that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. Mm. So if you want to spend eternity in heaven, you better start practicing now by spending time with Jesus because he's Lord of heaven. Right. Amen. Like you're going to. So anyway, I don't know if that answers. Oh, the question it or totally not. does. And that's such a fantastic answer. Such a fantastic point. You know, thinking about what does await us. And it really is all about eternity. It's Amen. why we do what we do. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this second part of my interview with Miki Addison from the Homegrown Generation Family Expo. Again, it's not too late for you to sign up for the expo. Just go to homegrowngeneration.com. You can sign up for $20 and have access to the entire conference. There's so much great content there, including uh, this interview with Miki Addison, um, as well as so many others. So we hope that it will be an encouragement to you. If you guys have not yet watched the movie Schoolhouse Rocked, you're missing out. You can watch it for free. Go to schoolhouserockedmovie.com. You can stream the entire movie for free and be sure to share it with your friends. Stick around till the end of the show for a preview of what's coming next on the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. What we do at IEW is break through the the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com slash rocked. Our children should hear the gospel inside our homes as frequently as possible. It should be reiterated even once they confess their sin and accept and receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. It should be reiterated to make sure that they actually understand what they have now subscribed to. Like if they really do believe this, let's make sure that they really understand this. So I would say from the earliest of ages, we begin modeling spiritual principles in a natural context.